Genesis chapter 25. We're going to start in verse 24. Now the context of what we're going to be looking at today is much larger. It goes from chapter 25, 21, all the way to 33, 12. But our verses this morning will just be from 24 to 34 of chapter 25 of Genesis, if you found your place. And when her days, he's talking about uh, Rebecca, and when her days to be delivered were fulfilled, behold, there were twins in her womb, and the first came out red, all over like a hairy garment. And they called his name Esau. And after that came his brother out, and his hand took hold on Esau's heel, and his name was called Jacob. And Isaac was threescore years old when she bare them. And the boys grew, and Esau was a cunning hunter, a man of the field, and Jacob was a plain man dwelling in tents. And Isaac loved Esau because he did eat of his venison, but Rebekah loved Jacob. And Jacob sawed pottage, and Esau came from the field, and he was faint. And Esau said to Jacob, Feed me, I pray thee, with that same red pottage, for I am faint. Therefore was his name called Edom. And Jacob said, Sell me this day thy birthright. And Esau said, Behold, I am at the point to die, and what profit shall this birthright do to me? And Jacob said, Swear to me this day. And he sware unto him, and he sold his birthright unto Jacob. Then Jacob gave Esau bread and pottage of lentils, and he did eat and drink, and rose up, and went his way. Thus Esau despised his birthright. Let's pray. Our Heavenly Father, we thank you again as we come this morning, thanking you, Lord, for your glory, the glory of your salvation, the precious blood of Jesus Christ. We thank you, Lord, for the eternity which you have prepared for all your saints. Lord, thank you for choosing us to save, not by any kind of worth in us, Father, but by the pleasure of your will, you have mercy. Oh, Father, we pray that your mercy upon those who are lost this morning. Lord, we pray that if they are lost, that you just penetrate their hearts with your spirit and your power, and you overtake them. And Father, may they see their state before you this morning, tremble, and Lord, come to you in, in all faith and trust in Jesus Christ. And we'll give you all the praise and glory. In Jesus' name, amen. The name of the message is Trading in Pricelessness for Pottage. Trading in Pricelessness for Pottage. Esau is one of the saddest figures in the Bible. He was the firstborn of Isaac and Rebekah. He and his brother was Jacob, his twin brother. But Esau was born first. He was adored and loved by his father. He was a skillful hunter. He was a, a man of the field. That's what it said in verse 27. And he was a man's man. He was kind of the field and stream kind of guy, the, the wildlife guy. But he was a, a man's man. Jacob loved Esau. But I, but, uh, uh, I'm sorry, uh, Isaac loved Esau, and then we see Rebekah loved Jacob. Jacob was more of a mama's boy. Now Jacob 
in his name is meant to be trickster or deceiver or huckster or supplanter. And this really gives us the character of Jacob that he was a little bit more brains than his brother and his brother was a little bit more brawn. So we see Jacob able to, with his mind, be able to manipulate situations. But going on Esau, we see Esau as a sad figure I mean, he had some good and commendable qualities. He was kind to Jacob. Later on, even though we see what Jacob does to Esau, Esau still later on is kind to Jacob. Esau is kind when he buries Isaac, his father. But on two occasions, we see Esau manipulated and deceived. We saw this one when Esau sold his birthright for a bowl of pottage. And then the second time Esau is manipulated or deceived is when Jacob stole the blessing from Isaac, his father. Now, there are two things here. There's the birthright and the blessing. They're two very different things. And the birthright was more about property and possession and authority. This was the birthright of all the firstborn. All the firstborn of Israel, the firstborn male. We get that from Deuteronomy chapter 21. And the blessing was more of a prophetic blessing of the patriarch unto the firstborn uh, in the spirit and the power of the Holy Spirit in a prophetic sense that they give the firstborn the blessing. Esau was robbed out of two. Both of those things, he sold his birthright and Jacob stole his blessing. But let's first, and we're only going to focus on the birthright here. We're not going to focus a lot on that second thing, on the blessing, but the birthright. Now, the physical birthright, there were advantages of. Again, in Deuteronomy 21.17, it listed out, the person who received the birthright in the family received double portion of the inheritance. So they got double of everything. It was a great honor to become, to have the birthright. You became the patriarch of the family. You received rule and authority over all the family. Now, those were the physical benefits of the birthright, but there were also spiritual benefits of the birthright. But uh, up until this time, there was no priestly office. There was no judges. There were no prophets. There were no priests. This is early in Abraham's day where the head of the family did the priestly office. We saw Abraham sacrifice, and we saw Noah sacrifice. So the birthright, the, the one who had received the birthright, received the spiritual blessing of becoming kind of the priest of the family, the priesthood. And then um, the kind of priest, not an official priest, but the, the priesthood of the family. The patriarch, it was a role that had honor. And also the promise that was given to Abraham, that God had given Abraham, had rolled over into the birthright, the spiritual birthright of the, the person, of the, the patriarch, the one who would replace Abraham, it rolled over. So he would receive the blessings of Abraham. He would receive the physical promises which Abraham had given to them. But in verse 31, what did Esau do? Jacob said, sell me this day thy birthright. And Esau said, behold... I am at the point to die, and what profit shall this birthright do me? 
And Jacob said, Swear to me this day. And he swore unto him, and he sold his birthright unto Jacob. Then Jacob gave Esau bread and pottage of lentils, and he did eat and drink and rose up and went his way. Thus Esau despised his birthright. We see Esau's bad choice. Now, the manipulation of Jacob here. We need to understand that this was still Esau's choice. This was still Esau's choice to prefer the pottage over the birthright. Jacob had manipulated the situation. Now, Jacob knew that either, now we can speculate, that Jacob knew that Esau was going to forsake or thought little of the birthright. And so Jacob manipulated a way where he had leveraged the things that Esau had craved versus a spiritual blessing to come. Here's the thing. Esau chose a sensual thing over a spiritual thing. He had a craving. He was hungry. All he could think about was the now. All he could think about was satisfying his hunger. Now, before we get on Jacob too much, I believe Jacob was just exposing a vulnerability of Esau here. Either Esau did not know the scriptures and understood what the birthright was, or maybe Esau was lying. Like, okay, look, I'll promise you the blessing, I'll promise you the birthright, but we all know Isaac's the one that's going to give the birthright. And so I can promise you things all I want. So I don't think he downright lied. I don't believe, this is what I believe, I don't believe Esau understood and realized the significance of the birthright. He did not comprehend it. And there were some things that may have been clouding his judgment. Again, he didn't know the scriptures, or he was thinking more of the sensual things in his life, putting more value in the now, in the sensual, in the things which can satisfy him over the blessings of God, over the perpetual promise, over the long-term gain. He took a short-term fix over long-term gain. Now the pottage was a thick broth made of vegetables and meat. And so that is something else that we see at the end of verse 34. I believe this is the reason, and we can speculate all the reasons why Esau would have made this incredible choice, <laughs> now that you think about it, right? An amazing choice to pick pottage over this birthright. But it tells us why. At the end of verse 34, Esau despised his birthright. What despised means is, is that he thought little of it. He did not esteem God's promises. He did not think about God's promises as something of value. He saw the pottage as more valuable than the promises of God. Um, Hebrews 12, 16 actually calls Esau profane for this reason. 12, 16 in Hebrews says, Lest there be any fornicator or profane person as Esau, who for one morsel of meat sold his birthright. Those who choose sensual over spiritual, they make 
this ridiculous choice that Esau made all the time. That's the truth. Those who choose sensual things over spiritual are also making this ridiculous choice that Esau made. Trading in a bowl of pottage for his birthright. I mean, it just seems preposterous to us, doesn't it? So it, it makes you wonder, what, did he not know? Did he not understand? But, and then it tells us at the end of verse 34, what was really at the root of the matter was Esau's heart. He did not believe. He did not uh, esteem the promises of God. As, but it says in Moses, Moses esteemed the riches of Christ greater than all of the treasures in Egypt. He did not have that attitude. And, you know, we, we can tell ourselves there's no way that we would do this. And maybe, you know, if you're fortunate enough to have your parents leave you an inheritance, there's no way that you would trade in that inheritance for a bowl of vegetable soup, is there? No, that's preposterous. But here's the thing. Would you do it on the spiritual sense? You'll, you won't do it on the physical, but what about the spiritual so we need to see what this birthright is. First of all, birthrights as Christians. John says this, or, uh, John says this in chapter 3, and Jesus, he's quoting Jesus. Jesus says in John chapter 3, Jesus answered and said unto him, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, except a, more, a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. We have gone, I love what the way Brother Hunt says this, we have gone from tomb to womb. <laughs> that means being born again means you have gone from your dead and sins and trespasses, you're dead, you've gone from tomb to being born again. He has begotten us again into a lively hope by the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. So we've gone from tomb to womb. We've been born again spiritually. Jesus says you must be born again in order to see the kingdom of God. First of all, the believer's birthright. We have a believer's birthright, but you must first be born again. You must be a child of God to have our real birthright, the true birthright. Uh, even Romans, uh, Paul says this, that our spirit beareth witness with our spirit, that we are the children of God. If we are the children of God, and I'm paraphrasing here, he says... If we are children, then we are heirs. That's quite a birthright. Heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ. That's Romans chapter 8, uh, verse 16. Peter says we are heirs of the kingdom. In Christ, Paul says this, In Christ we have all things. As a child of God, you have everything. Paul says we have all things. 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 21 says... Therefore, let no man glory in men. For all things are yours, whether Paul or Apollos or Cephas or the world or life or death or things present or things to come, all are yours, and ye are Christ, and Christ is God. Isn't that wonderful? That all things are ours. What is he going to neglect to give us? We're children of the king. We're heirs according to the promise. We have a birthright. Oh, we have an incorruptible inheritance, Peter calls it. We have an inheritance that's not corruptible, 
undefiled and that fadeth not away, reserved in heaven for you. We will live eternally in glory with Jesus. John chapter 14, he says, In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself, that where I am, there you may be also. Oh, our inheritance is Christ, isn't it? Our inheritance is to live eternally in glory with Christ. Oh, we're rich. We're rich. We have quite the inheritance. We have quite the birthright, don't we? Being heirs of God. And I pray the day that you know Jesus is your personal Savior. I pray that you have repented and you have come before him knowing that you've sinned against God and that you have a sorrow of heart and asking and begging the Lord to have mercy on you. you. You feel the weight of the consequence of your sin. You feel the weight of that word that we will perish. But God so loved, He loved you, that He gave His only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth on Him should not perish but have everlasting life. And Him giving His Son and His love, that's His mercy today to you. It's the free grace of God. Today, have you called upon Him? Have you called upon Him? Have you believed with all your heart and believed upon Him that Jesus died in your place to pay for your sins before all holy, all holy, and vengeful and wrathful God? He's all love. He's all glory. He's all mercy. But He's only those things through Christ. All His good gifts are from Christ, through Christ. Everything else falls out Outside of the scope of Christ, you do not want to be outside of Christ when God brings down His wrath. You do not want to be outside of His Son, His only begotten Son, His beloved. Oh, I pray the Lord have mercy upon you. And so we see the birthright of the believer. What a privilege. What an amazing thing which we have. I mean, think about the beauty that we have of our birthright. So now, let's talk about the pottage. What about the pottage of this world? Well, the pottage of this world is in contention for your affection. Esau's heart was deceived. What is the world offering you that is better than the birthright of a believer? What pottage is out there that's better than the birthright of a believer. Esau's heart deceived him. He traded pricelessness for pottage. You know, you may today even be manipulated by your own heart, by the devil. You may be manipulated by thinking pleasures in the sensual things, not spiritual, but it's still your choice. You're still the one choosing the sensual over the spiritual. Deceitfulness starts in the heart. Now think about this. 1 John 2.16 What is the world? And Jesus says, For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh and the lust of the eyes and the pride of life is not of the Father, but it is of the world. And the world passeth away in the lust thereof, but he that doeth the will of God 
abideth forever. That's the potage of this world. It comes through the avenue of the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. It's us choosing darkness over light. It's us choosing our sin instead of being sanctified and being holy before God. But this deceitfulness always starts in the heart. James says this in chapter 115. He says, when lust hath conceived, it starts in the heart. Lust conceives, it bringeth forth sin. And sin, when it is finished, brings forth death. Matthew uh, chapter 15, verse 19, Jesus says, For out of the heart proceed evil things, evil thoughts, murders, adulteries, fornications, thefts, false witness, and blasphemies. Now, Jeremiah chapter 17, verse 9, I want to stop here for a minute and Really meditate on this, what Jeremiah says, or what the Lord says through Jeremiah. He says, the heart is deceitful above all things. Quite an extraordinary comment. The heart is deceitful above all things. And desperately wicked. Who can know it? Now here's the interesting part about that word, deceitful. Jeremiah, the heart is deceitful. Now, that word in the Hebrew, deceitful, guess what is the exact same word? Jacob. Jacob is the exact same Hebrew word as deceitful. Your heart is a Jacob. It is trying to manipulate you into choosing the sensual over the spiritual. Your heart is a Jacob. Now, I'm not getting on Jacob. Jacob, God chose Jacob. And just as a side note, if anything teaches us the sovereign grace of God, it's that God loved Jacob. Jacob was a deceiver, a trickster, a huckster. I mean, he does some pretty blatant, wicked things. But God loved Jacob before the foundation of the earth, before either did good or bad, and he said, I've chosen Jacob. Jacob wasn't even the firstborn. It wasn't man's choice, it was God's choice. And if that teaches us the sovereign grace of God, you know, the, the, the question is, how did, why did God hate Esau? The question should be, why did God love Jacob? We all have Jacob in our hearts. It's deceiving us. It's manipulating us to choose the sensual over the spiritual, to choose the temporary over the eternal. Jude has strong language against those who live a life 100% all the time after the sensual. He says, there should be mockers in the last time who should walk after their own ungodly lust. These be they who separate themselves sensual, not having the spirit. If you are 100% deciding all of your decisions, basing all your thoughts, all your actions, all your emotions, all your will, based on the senses of, and not just the senses of what you see, smell, hear, but what is 
um, you crave your appetite, then it says, Jude says, you do not have the Spirit at all. If you're not basing any of your decisions, even a backslider will base some decisions on the Spirit. If you're abandoning all things God, all the promises of God, you're never convicted of the Holy Spirit, you never feel the guilt of sin, even if it's a subtle thing and you have been drowning the Spirit and, and you're living a life as a prodigal son and, and you know there's still something there. Jude says that you have not the Spirit. And the Word of God says if you have not the Spirit, you are none of His. You're not doing yourself any favors, nor am I doing you any favors, trying to fool you into thinking you do. Because I'm accountable before God. I will have blood on my hands if I do not warn you to flee from the wrath of God because it's coming. That's my job. And the Lord will hold me accountable for that. For a teaspoon of pleasure, people are willing to drink a sea full of wrath. Oh, I hope you do not choose 100% of all your choices, just what appeals to your senses. Listen, sin will take you further than you want to go. It'll keep you longer than you want to stay. And it'll cost you more than you want to pay. That's the price of sin. That's the pottage of this world. Ask those in prison if the pottage of this world was worth it. Ask the man who has lost his family, his wife, and his children because of adultery if the pottage of this world was worth it. Ask the man who's lost all his money to gambling if the pottage of this world was worth it. Ask the man who's addicted to drugs, lost all his money, his family, if the pottage of this world was worth it. Now ask Esau who not considering the pricelessness and the blessing of God in this birthright, if the pottage was worth it. You know, I didn't quote all of Hebrews 12, 17, because there's a second part to that. The second part of Hebrews chapter 12, verse 17 says this. Remember, he called Esau profane. In the end of verse 34, it said he despised his birthright. But what happens to Esau? At the end, for he, for ye know how that afterward, that means Esau, when he would have inherited the blessing, he was rejected. For he found no place of repentance, though he sought it carefully with tears. We don't have time to turn there, but later, when Esau, when it's going to Isaac for the birthright and the blessing, how we know that Jacob had, had tricked Isaac because Isaac was going blind and, and Isaac and Rebekah had tricked, or Jacob and Rebekah had tricked Isaac into thinking he was giving Esau the blessing. But it was actually Jacob. He was giving the blessing to Jacob. And so Jacob kind of snuck in, put fur on his hands and on the back of his, his neck. He even put on Esau's 
clothes to make it smell like Esau. He goes into Isaac and he says, Father, before you die, give me the blessing of the firstborn. Give me the blessing. And Isaac gives him the blessing. He goes, it sounds like uh, Jacob, but it smells like Esau. And so he gave Jacob the blessing and then Jacob just backs out. And then finally Esau comes in. He goes, Father, give me the blessing. Give me the birthright. And, and Isaac said, Son, it's too late. It's too late. You gave away all of those things. Jacob came in and he took it. And Esau's like, no, there's got to be a mistake. With bitter tears, Esau was crying. There must be a blessing somewhere in there. But what does Hebrews say? Hebrews says that Esau came in and even though he had bitter tears, he was rejected. He made his choice. Esau made his choice. You're making your choice today. Are you choosing the promises of God over the pottage of this world that promises all these things but it captures you in some kind of spiral where it promises pleasure but it pays off in pain and in misery of your life? Oh, but God is merciful. He's rich in mercy. He's ready to save today. It does not matter of all your poor choices. Today's the day. The day you can do this. Today you can have the birthright of Christ. If you fall upon your knees and you beg God to forgive you a sinner who your whole life you've chosen the things of this world over the promises of God and the goodness of God. Today is that day. One day it's going to be too late. That day may even be today. You will approach Him with bitter tears, but you will be rejected. Just as Esau was rejected. There's two categories. There's people who reject Jesus as Savior. They will be rejected by God. At the end, we know that Jesus will gather all together and He will divide His sheep from the goats. And the goat, what does he say to the goats? Now the sheep are those who have believed upon him and were saved. Who have submitted to the lordship of Jesus Christ and, the, and him as Savior. As their God, as their King, and as their Lord and reigner and ruler of their life. He's behind the decisions. Yet there might be times where it seems like it's a dim light, but there's going to be either the either Lord will take you on home because you're being a bad testimony, or He's going to make it to where you repent. And then you're going to be again a testimony of God's glory. One way or the other, God's going to be glorified. So, but a sheep is someone who is saved. A goat is someone who is lost. A goat is someone who does not have salvation. What does He tell the goats at the end of Matthew chapter 25? He says, And these shall go away into everlasting punishment, but the righteous into life eternal. The goats shall go away into everlasting punishment. Do you believe in that promise? Do you believe that's just as real as you're sitting here? Do you believe you're, that you will be kneeling on your knees just as real as you are here one day when Christ splits the sky and comes back? And that all will kneel, all will bow, all will look at Him, 
And they will all say that he is the Lord to the glory of God the Father. All knees shall bow. All tongues will confess. You know, and there's, there's something awful, but those who reject Jesus, God will reject. Those who receive Jesus Christ as their Savior, God will accept. God has received. He's already received. We're already children of the King. And, you know, uh, at this time of life, I'm already saved. I'm not doing good things or doing this or saying this or trying to do my best to be saved. I'm saved already. If my plane goes down tomorrow, I'm saved. I'm in glory. Look for me at Jesus' feet. I'm in glory. I'm saved. It's not a process. God has saved me, and now what is he doing? He's sending me to proclaim the gospel of Jesus Christ, to warn all of you to repent and believe upon the gospel. You know, and there's a big misconception out there that there is no happiness of life in Christianity or honoring God. That's it right there. That's why people choose darkness over sin. That's why people choose essential over the spiritual, right? Because they believe that there's no happiness in Christianity. They believe there's no joy. That is a lie. That's the lie from the devil. That's your heart deceiving you again. That's Jacob trying to rob you of a blessing, right? That is your heart deceiving you. There is no other greater authentic happiness and joy and peace and harmony of your life of body, soul, mind, spirit. You're at your most peaceful oh, in the riches of Christ. Everything else is counterfeit. People think, oh, Christianities, they're just... You know, this and that. Now, I will admit, and Lord help us, and I, I don't mean to get on a... Because I, I never want to be like this, and I, and I pray the Lord forgive me when I, if I am, but there are some people who make Christianity look like they just got the prison, not that they were just freed from prison. They have a scowl on their face. They live this rigid, hard, just miserable, constraining life. They're judgmental. They're legalistic. And I admit that those people, when people see them, they say, well, if that's what Christianity is, I don't want it. Look how miserable and unhappy they are. Lord, forgive me if I ever act like we're in a prison. Not that we've been freed from one. We've been freed from prison. Act like you've been freed from prison. Because God has. He has. Jesus has rescued us. Act like someone who's just been rescued from the pit of hell. Death in the grave. Act like someone who has the joy and the peace of God in your heart. Ruling and reigning. Giving you grace in all your trials and your circumstances. Giving you peace. Giving you comfort and grief. Giving you peace and trials. Oh, how good God is to us. Oh, our face should reflect how good he is. We shouldn't act, be angry. We shouldn't be judgmental at others. We shouldn't do any of this. We should love one another. And if we love one another, we want their best for them. And we know their best for them is not sin. We know it's surrender to the peaceful fruit of God's chastisement. Are you saved today? 
Have you repented in sorrow before God? Have you looked to Jesus to save you from God's wrath? Do you believe with all your heart that Jesus died for your sins, that he was buried, and that he rose again the third day, triumphant over sin, and that he's returning? I pray you're saved today. If you are saved today, the pleasures of this world, the pottage, are always those that lead to sin and not to the glory of God. You don't want to live a life full of regret and misery for listening and being deceived by your own heart. But we want to live after the things of the Word of God. We want to live after what we read in the Word of God. You know, the lust of the flesh have to do with appetite. The lust of the eyes have to do with appearance. The pride of life has to do with applause. Now think about that. The most common temptation, the most tempting of these three categories, it's often thought that the youth are the ones who are tempted the most with the lust of the flesh, the appetite. The middle-aged person is the one who is tempted the most with the lust of the eyes, which is the appearance. But those in their golden years and the, the elder, the, the older people, they're tempted the most with the pride of life, the applause. Now that doesn't mean that we're not all tempted in all three of these categories. But what do we do when we're tempted? We not, not sin deceive us. Be led by the Word of God, by the Spirit of God. Go to the Lord in prayer. Go to the Word daily, asking the Lord to keep your thoughts and your minds and your actions. Lord, help me to be holy. Help me, Father, to bring glory to you. Help me, Lord, to be able to decipher what's pottage. First, what's the pricelessness? Have you asked the Lord to help you? You know, that's where it really starts. If you're saved today, let's ask the Lord in our prayers, Lord, help me. Help me to depend on the Holy Spirit as my leader and as my guide, the Word of God. Pray, and with all sincerity of heart, Lord, help me to have the joy and realize the riches that is in the birthright which you've given all of your children. Oh, we have an amazing birthright. And may we not sell that short-term, what we think is pleasure. May we not sell our birthright for those things. Because, what did it say of Esau? He despised. He despised his birthright. He thought little of the promises that was of God. Ask the Lord to lead you in your thoughts, your actions by the Holy Spirit to help you realize in all situations. All situations. This morning, I want you to leave with this thought. Esau had a choice. Yes, Jacob manipulated him. He did. Shame on Jacob. But listen, what did Jeremiah say about your heart? Your heart is a deceiver. It's a Jacob. 
Just as Jacob went about to deceive Esau from his birthright, your heart and the lust of the sin that you have will seek to deceive you into thinking that there's more value in the now and the sensual things which you can consume on you than the spiritual things of God. Be not deceived and ask the Lord to help you. All right, Heavenly Father, thank you for this beautiful day. Thank you, Lord, for your rich mercy. Lord, we pray in repentance and we thank you, Father, for giving us the instructions of your word and the Holy Spirit. Lord, may we just be mindful, Lord, that when we are in a situation that we choose to do what's pleasing to you, that we choose to honor you, that we put more value in the promise of Father of the joy of which you give us and the peace of having the fruits of the Spirit over the things that please our eyes and our flesh and the pride. Father, may you help us during any time that we make the choice, Father, to follow you, to lead, to be led by your Holy Spirit. Lord, I pray that you speak with each heart here. You know each heart. You know each need. Father, I cannot talk to their heart the way that you can and that you must. Lord, we pray, Father, for each heart that you give them what they need. Lord, you know each need. We know, Father, your grace and your goodness. Father, if it were not for your mercy, Lord, we would all be consumed. Father, we pray that you just grant mercy upon them. In Jesus' name, amen.